Hey, welcome to the Healthy Steps with Nicole podcast, where it is my goal to help you see what is possible for your business, for your life, and for the sales that are going to get you there. Get ready to be inspired and supported while you launch and grow your health and wellness business. I'm Nicole Kramer, coach, sales expert, and health and wellness fanatic. Each week, I will be having amazing guest experts that will share with us their knowledge on mindset, money, how to attract your dream clients, successfully close sales, and so much more. Selling doesn't have to be hard. You can have the confidence and the clarity you need to create and grow your dream business. Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce my friend Paige Ray to you guys. Not only is she my friend, she's my photographer as well. And all the beautiful, amazing pictures that you see of me um, were taken by Paige. Except for a couple. You didn't go to Greece with me, but... um, if only, <laughs> if only, right. Well, one of these days we're going to, we're going to figure it out once we're allowed to travel again and you know, we can just go all over the world, but yes, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here and you have such amazing information and experience to share with everybody. And you guys, she's been in business for a couple of years. She's going to tell you all kinds of awesome stuff. We'll tell you a few good stories and I'm just really excited for you to be here because they're going to benefit so much by you being here with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love this topic that we're speaking about, and I'm so grateful to be in this group with you guys. Thank you all for taking the time to come watch and ask questions. Definitely ask questions. I know that we're kind of keeping an eye on that, so I will. I love answering questions, so feel free to light up that comment box, um, and we will make sure and address all of the things that you want to know about ideal clients. First, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about myself. I'm Paige Ray. I like to say that I am a creative catalyst, but also I am a creative consultant and photographer for avant-garde entrepreneurs. I work with women who are doing things different, radically different in their industry, and they want to stand out in their market. Basically, what I'm doing is I help creatives make way more money doing what they love with the people that they dream about working with, which is so important. And that's what brings us here today is talking about ideal clients. So Today, I'm going to talk to you about how you can identify your ideal client, know your ideal client, and speak to your ideal client in a way that helps to convert them onto a sales call. So I have a feeling once they're on a sales call, you guys know what to do. (laughs) And if they don't, they're here to learn. That's why they're in this group. Totally, totally. First, I want to talk to you about what is an ideal client. I want to expand the definition of that a little bit because usually what we hear, the guidance that we get is that an ideal client is you know, somebody that you want to work with, obviously, but people tell you you have to drill down into the demographics of it and get super specific. You know, What's their name? What's their age? What magazines do they read? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's always helpful to make an ideal client avatar. And I know we talk about this a lot, but I want to go deeper into that um, about what that actually means. And we're going to get to that in a second. But before we do, let's talk about what even is an ideal client. So I have a little bit more of a broad definition. For me, there are three very important things that an ideal client needs to have or else they're just not an ideal client. And the first one is, and this seems super obvious, right? But the first one is they need to make you excited to get up and go to work. Like they should be somebody that you wake up in the morning full of ideas, full of excitement, full of fire to go change somebody's life or inspire them to change theirs. Right? So this is somebody that should make you super excited to work. And the reason I say this is because I've talked to a lot of people over the years and I've worked with a lot of mentees and I've had some people come to me and say, I just, I, there's a lot of people I like to work with, but I don't know which one is my ideal client. They seem like they're so completely different. And my first question is, who makes you excited to do the work? Because the work that we do, whatever it is, can be something that is almost the same day out of day. Are we on Zoom calls? Are we behind a camera? on and on and on. That can be very tedious, except for what we're making with it and who we're making it with. So what we want to start with is the person that you want to work with, the ideal client, the dream client is somebody who makes you excited to go to work, to make the work, who makes you excited, inspired, full of ideas, can't wait to get out there and create or talk or inspire, whatever that looks like for your business. That's number one. Number two, they make work fun and it feels in flow. 
a lot of times if we're not working with the right people, there's a lot of like communication breakdown sometimes. And, it, and that can happen with even your most ideal clients. But have you ever had those clients where you feel like it's just a start and stop, start and stop, miscommunication. I meant this. Well, I need this. Well, let's micromanage this. There's not a lot of trust there. It makes it kind of hard and it doesn't become a fun experience. Somebody who's an ideal client should be fun to work with and it should feel in flow. So no matter what you're working on and whether or not it is the um, easy to come together, it's not necessarily about easy, but it does feel like you're in sync with the person that you're making it with, right? It's okay to challenge yourself. It's okay to reach new heights with the person you're working with, but are you synced up with them? Do they feel in flow with your ideals? That's really important. And this last one, this last one is the most important. I find this one is also missing more often than not from people who come to me and say, there's this person I wanted to work with. They were total ideal client, but I'm just not in their budget. Hold on a second. Your ideal client will pay you what you're worth. That is so, so important. And I say this is important because if they aren't paying you your worth, they're just not your ideal client, despite all the rest of it. If they hit all of those demographic nodes that you've been looking for, if they are make you super excited to do the work, if they are practically your best friend and you're having a blast creating with them, but they don't see your value enough to pay you your full price, they're not your ideal client. And this is so, so important. I just want to drive that home. But... Thank you. I love that. Um, I also want to know from you guys, and I know that I can't see it, but I want to know how many of you guys feel like you are working with your ideal clients, people who match all of those criteria. Hmm. This is super important. That's how you start to know who your ideal client is. So don't feel like you are kind of wrapped into a specific type of person that you have to work with. I think a lot of times people think like, oh, well, I do this line of work and this is who I should be aiming to work with. But that's just not it. That way only leads to burnout, no matter how much you're charging. So the people that really make you excited to work, that you feel good working with, and that are happy to pay you your worth, that's where your ideal client sits. They don't all have to do the exact same thing. Like for example, um, as a brand photographer, I say my ideal client are creative entrepreneurs. But for me, a creative is not necessarily just an artist or a graphic designer or something like that. I have one client who is a bookkeeper. And at first she thought, when I first kind of launched everything, she thought, oh, I'd like to work with you, but I don't think I'm your ideal client. And I said, why would you think that? And She's like, well, I'm a bookkeeper and, you know, I'm a bookkeeper and that's not really creative. And here's the thing, though. She was a bookkeeper by day and a burlesque dancer by night. And she combined those two brands. And now she has a course out called Naked Finance that really lays bare all of the essentials of finance. And she's always known for her style and things like that. That's my ideal client, right? That's somebody who's creative with what they're doing within their industry. So make sure that you don't pigeonhole yourself into one type of client because you think that you should. They don't all have to do the same thing or think the same way. They get to meet your definition of who really makes you come alive in your work. Mm -hmm. Okay. I hope that feels good to everybody. So we talked about how do we identify your ideal client? Let's talk a little bit about how do we know your ideal client or no. Yeah. How do we know your ideal client on a deeper level? That's next. So knowing and understanding your ideal client, this is something that gets, I think, a little bit overcomplicated or maybe even undercomplicated. The typical advice that you're receiving is to go create an ideal client avatar. Make somebody up in your head and speak to them all of the time. You can even name them. You know, what stores do they shop shop at? Define them that way. And that's not a bad way to do it. It can give you a hopping off point or a jumping off point. But speaking to a fake person rarely comes across on social media as something that resonates with anybody who's a real person, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to speak to your ideal clients in real life, right? So these are ideal client interviews. And this was something that I did right before I fully launched into brand photography a few years ago. Um, I worked with a business coach and this was her advice and I found it to be so invaluable, but she had us identify five people who are absolutely our ideal clients in the market, whether or not we'd worked with them, whether or not we felt like we had a chance of working with them, identify them. 
right? And they can even be reached. Like if you want to work with a Jenna Kutcher or you want to work with, um, I was just talking about Rachel Rogers because she's so amazing. If you, whoever you want to work with, don't feel like there's a name that's too big out there, right? Um, I want you to make that list of five people that would be your absolute dream client. And I want you to reach out to these people for an ideal client interview and keep reaching out, keep making that list until you get about three or four interviews. And don't feel like, don't worry that somebody's going to say no, because that's absolutely the worst thing that could happen. And that's just a no, right? That's no big deal. But the best thing that could happen is somebody who is doing so well that is your dream client could look at you and go, I remember when I was starting out, or I remember when I was at this point in my business, I want to reach back and pull somebody forward. Of course, I will give you five minutes to chat and, you know, answer a couple of your questions. Mm -hmm. So then what you do is you, so that's basically what you're doing is you're asking for five minutes of their time, but you're not taking them to coffee. You're not taking their brain. You're asking for a simple five minutes and you're just very quickly and matter of factly talking about, have you used services like mine before? Did you invest in them? What did you invest in them? Why did you not invest in them? What's holding you back? And what you're really digging into essentially is their feelings around the services that you provide, right? So often, for example, for photography, but if you guys want me to talk about a different profession with this, just let me know. And I will, I will kind of like rearrange these examples, but with photography, for example, a ton of people are afraid of being in front of the camera. Like that is one of the number one fears that holds them back. But I want you to dig even deeper. I don't want you to just sit with what those initial feelings are in some circles is called the core wound. Now that sounds pretty harsh, right? But this is what I want you to think about. We all have feelings about why we will or won't do something, but typically those feelings lie right on top of something that's much, much deeper, that's truly holding us back. So yes, a lot of us are afraid of being in front of the camera. We don't know what to do with our hands. We don't want to feel awkward. We don't feel great about our bodies. We're not sure how that's going to translate in the camera. And that's totally fine. But what I see more often than anything is that what truly underlies that the core wound is actually worthiness. Most of us don't think we're worthy of being in photos, of being visible, of being seen, of being heard, of spending money on ourselves versus somebody else, right? It's a true core wound of worthiness. And once I dug into understanding that about my ideal client, I was able to open up with them a whole new leg of conversation both in social media, but also um, when I would do my sales calls, I could dig in deeper to what is really holding you back. Um, so that's really important to do these ideal client interviews. Don't be shy. Go for it. Think about who you would love to work with and just reach out. Keep it a short, simple email. If you never hear from them, it's fine. Move on. It's definitely though an exercise worth doing. So that is how you get to know your ideal client. And then the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is how do you speak to your ideal client in a way that's meaningful and impactful and actually moves them and motivates them to get in touch with you? So I'm going to take you guys through what I like to call my 3M method. So it's a method of storytelling. And I know you all have heard a lot about brand story or sharing your story, which is very effective. And that's actually what I'm recommending to you. I want you to share your story with your ideal client, but I'm going to break it down for you in a little bit different of a way. Instead of thinking of your story as having a beginning, a middle, and an end, which in this digital world, what do you count as your beginning? That's pretty open. And you don't really want to have an end. You're running a business. We want it to, we, we want it to keep going and going, right? So what I saw was a much more effective model of storytelling than just beginning, middle, and end. I created something called my 3M method. That's the macro, the micro, and the middle. So the macro, your ultimate why. It's why you're doing what you're doing. It's what brought you here. It's the journey that you have been on in order to get to this point. It informs your principles. It informs your guidelines and your core values. It is your ultimate why. Why are you doing what you're doing? It's so important. And this is where you start to connect with your ideal client. It's where they step into your story and they go, okay, like they look around and they're like, I think I, I think I'm in the wrong, the right place. I, this looks right, but is this a place where I want to stick around? Right. This is where we go deeper, and we this is where we start to go into your micro. So the micro is what I call the emotional cornerstone. 
The emotional cornerstone essentially is where your story intersects with their story. And this is really important because that's what your ideal client wants to know. Do you understand me? Are you somebody that really gets me, that can create the work that I need to hire you to create in a way that feels good and authentic to me? Right? So this is why in those ideal client interviews, you really dig into what their feelings are and their emotions are around the work that you do. You want to actually use those words that you get from the interviews to create your messaging, your marketing and messaging, and especially for this emotional cornerstone. So when you can use those words that they use in those interviews, and you can also layer your story into it, when you can identify those emotions that your ideal client feels and you understand them because you felt them too in your own journey, that is where a huge amount of powerful resonance comes in. They go, oh my God, this person knows what they're talking about and they understand me. So that micro, that emotional cornerstone is really important. And then we're going to pull back a little bit to the middle. Now the middle is your creative process. It's where a bulk of your content actually happens. So when you're sharing your story, whatever content that looks like, a lot of it can be um, tied to the middle, the creative process. So the ultimate why is what you do um, or why you do what you do, but the middle is how you do what you do differently. And what you want to do there is bring people along, pull back the curtain and show them the behind the scenes of how you make the magic that happens in your business. And I do want to point something out here. A lot of people, coaches especially say to me, okay, but my creative process, like I kind of, I get on a call with people. So I don't know if that's very interesting, but I want you to know the tools, every single step that goes into supporting and working with your clients is going to be vastly interesting to the ideal clients. And here's an example of that. So I'll show, I'll show with this example. I used to offer a workshop called Prep Shoot Edit, and I taught, I taught non-photographers how to take photos with their cell phone. And I taught like, <laughs> I taught like, um, big photography, pro photography principles, like rule of thirds or leading lines or frame within a frame. And people loved it, but by far the minds were the most blown when I showed people how to focus their cell phone, which is this, right? You just, you tap your phone screen and it focuses. And I mean, we had to every time stop the workshop and everyone has to pull out their phone and it takes five or 10 minutes for everybody to, to like have their mind blow by, blown by the fact that you can focus on your cell phone. And for me as a photographer, I, I always thought like, oh, that's such a small thing. Nobody would be interested in that. Like, I don't even think I put it in the workshop on purpose. I think it came about in passing, but it really showed me the power of small things to be endlessly fascinating to people who aren't used to those, to knowing those small things. So no matter how small or how whatever the detail is, your process will be interesting to people. And if you still feel like, okay, but getting on a, but getting on a Zoom meeting, how can I make that interesting? I want you to think about what is it you bring to that Zoom meeting that becomes life-changing for somebody? That, that is so special. And when you start to bring people behind the scenes of how you do what you do on a regular basis, you're doing two things. First of all, you are demonstrating your expertise on a regular basis. You're building up trust and people need trust before they buy, right? So that is a huge thing. Demonstrate that um, expertise on a regular basis and you'll start to stand out in your industry. The other thing it does is it sets you on a stage to be a leader in your industry. And, and this is another thing that like, I see the biggest kind of objection that I hear or the pushback that I hear from this is I don't have anything original. Like nobody, you know, I would just be saying things our people already know again. Mm -mm. There was one time when I got on my Instagram stories and I talked about photographer math, photographer math is for every hour that somebody spends in front of the camera, I spend two to three hours behind the camera in post-production, editing, calling, uploading, archiving, delivering, da da da. So a three hour shoot is actually a 10 hour project behind the scenes and it gets to be much bigger than people realize. And so this is stuff that like every photographer knows it. This is no secret. And there's no reason that like our clients can't know it. So when I said it on Instagram stories, I got a rush of replies. The first one was, the first one was from photographers going, yeah, somebody said it. And I'm like, 
said what? There's no revolution here. Like we all know this stuff, right? And then the second thing that I got was people who weren't photographers going, oh my gosh, well now I understand why photography is so expensive. I had no idea. And I kind of sat there going like, why don't we say these things? And that was the moment where I started being a leader in brand photography, which was really interesting because I wasn't saying anything that was like major. I was just saying things that nobody else was saying out loud. And for no other reason than we get busy doing other things. So sharing your story in those ways becomes very, very powerful. Once you start doing that, you will start to notice that you are pulling your ideal client into you. You're, it, you know, if you've ever learned about push versus pull marketing, pull marketing becomes very much more, instead of pushy marketing that becomes very kind of in your face or it makes people feel uncomfortable, what you're doing is you're pulling and attracting people into your process. So that instead of pushing them to get in touch or anything like that, you're pulling them into attracting them into what you do and they end up reaching out and getting touched. So this becomes a very powerful method if you're using pull marketing. So that is my kind of, you know, fun presentation on how to talk to ideal clients. Um, do we have any questions that we can answer? If you're still here and you have questions, like this was such a powerful presentation and everything you said, I was like, I know you couldn't hear me, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so true. I mean, I loved how you started with the ideal client, like be in reality with who your ideal client is. It's got to be fun. It's got to feel good. And my big thing is you're asking these people to pay you a lot of money. It mm -hmm. should light you up. You owe it to them to feel really excited about showing up for the sessions. And if you're not, then you are out of integrity in taking that person on as your client. Yes, you know, exactly. truth be told, and I'm sure you have experienced this just as much as I have. Sometimes we take on a client that does seem to be an ideal client at the initial consultation. And then maybe three or four sessions in, you're like, Ooh, yes. wow. but that teaches you too. And there's just a lesson to be learned there. It's like, how can I ask some better questions on our initial call so that I really understand who is, who, who I'm working with and who I'm bringing into this space. So mm -hmm. I, I totally agree that the idea that it needs to feel aligned and it needs to, to feel fun. You owe it to them to be in integrity with who you bring on so that it does light you up. The other exactly. thing I say about that, and it has to do with your third point of an ideal client is they are only an ideal client if they want to pay you and you actually owe it to them to charge <laughs> the rates that you charge that make mm -hmm. sense for you, not what they can afford. Because when you bend over backwards and you charge what they can afford, you're not going to be lit up and you can try and tell me all the live long day. You can try to lie to yourself that, oh no, but I feel better charging. Nope you're going to get to a point where you're going to be resentful and that's unfair to them. Exactly. I, that's I unfair have to them. a lot whenever somebody comes to me and says, I just, I don't love what I'm doing anymore. I don't know what to do about it. The first thing I say is, are you getting paid? How much are you getting paid? My Cause if you're not, you're going to get resentful. Exactly. Yep. I had somebody say to me the other day, well, I just don't want to sell this program. And it's, I mean, it's $1,500. So like, it's a really good price. And I said, hold on a really good price for who? She goes, well, I mean, I know that that's what people will pay. And I said, that's it. And mm -hmm. she goes, what do you mean? I said, you're not excited about selling it because you don't want to sell it for that price. And she right. goes, well, no, but I feel like it's what, and I said, let me ask you this. If you were getting $10,000 for that same package, would you be more excited about it? Mm -hmm. And she just kind of looked, and, and I mean, you and I both know it's not about the money, but yes. there has to be that beautiful balance of mm -hmm. it is about the money. It's yeah. more about the intention and the energy. But if the mm -hmm. money is there, if we aren't getting paid what we're worth and it doesn't make sense in our brain, then there there's a disconnect. It's, exactly. it's not going to be fair to, to either side because mm -hmm. you're not lit up and excited about showing up for that session. Yes, exactly. That is 100% true. And I hear too many people talking about offering discounts or taking trades. And once they do that, they find that the process that they enter into is nitpicked and managed and they feel very unhappy around it. And that's why there's no energy, equal energy exchange there. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. such a good way to put it too. It does get, it gets to be nitpicky and it gets to be like, you start to get to the point where you're like, here's the thought that goes through your mind. I gave this person a discount. What's their problem? Yes, exactly. And, and people, when you give them a discount, they're happy in the moment, but they don't remember that throughout the process. In and their they mind, show up at the discounted rate. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's they what happens. They show up at the discounted rate and you get four sessions in and you're resentful because you're like, I gave this to them at such a good rate. Why are they not showing up? Why are they not doing the work? 
it just makes for a really poor energy around how you're showing up for the session and how they're showing up because you're feeling a little resentful about the fact that they're not doing what you would expect them to do. Yet, if somebody paid your full rate, they're going to show those who pay, pay attention. They're going to show up in a totally different energy in a totally different way. And there's a disconnect between how you feel about that other person. And so I do feel like we all have to do that once or twice to learn. Mm -hmm. We all have to go through the, I gave this person a free, you know, a free program and I'm so excited and they're so excited. And on session three, they don't show up and then they don't show for anything else after that. And you're so upset. You're like, why didn't that work? Yeah. Why would they want to keep showing up if something more important came along? They might love you and they might want to, you know, have helped you out. But at the end of the day, when something else different or or more of a priority comes along, that's where Mm -hmm. they're going to go. Exactly. And yeah, people don't show up for the free stuff. It's the first thing they skip. No matter no matter if they're getting $10,000 of value out of it, they'll still Doesn't skip. Doesn't matter. And, and when I see all the time, you know, people who have events, when we could have events, people who gave free events would get so frustrated. Why, why aren't people showing up? This is a great event. But it's because nobody was paying. So the people who, who, even if it was $10, $20, people show up when they're paying what they should be. I saw it happen. This is a side note. And then Kelly has a really good question about the ideal client interviews. And I love that you talked about those because that is a big one for me. It's it's how I did it. It was part of my process. So like you, I worked with my coach a couple of years ago and she was like, you need to go do ideal client interviews. And I was like, I don't even know what those are. And then of course I learned, and it was honestly part of the most valuable piece of me understanding my ideal client, understanding what value I was giving to It, it was just as much about learning my ideal client as it was learning about me and what value I'm providing. Exactly. And hearing from people that were like, that I was talking to about my work, they were like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Oh, this is so, people really need this. And it was like, it boosted me. I was like, okay, this is really a thing that people feel that there's a need for. And that gave me confidence. Yes, I love Yeah. So I'll get to that, but I do want to tell you the story real quick. There was this personal development conference that I went to a couple of years ago in Salt Lake City called Powerful You. And then the guy that the, the husband and wife that started it had like millions of dollars to put into this company that they had built because they had had a tech company that had done really well. They were like, Hey, we want to give back to the world. We want to do something really cool. Let's take all this money and put it into this company called powerful you and make it a personal development you know, conference and, and go all around the world. But initially let's just start right here in Salt Lake city. And so they started there and it was great. I want a, a free VIP ticket to go. And I went and it was like, Brendan Burchard and Lewis Howes and Mel Robbins and Jay Shetty and like, like all, you know, huge names, huge headliners, right? Went really well. And like, it was packed because it was in their hometown and it was their very first one. And they did a great job marketing. I'm sure they gave away tickets, whatever. And then they were like, let's do it in LA next because that's where everything happens. That's where we need to go. And I don't even know the numbers to quote you, but by the end of the four day conference, the guy who ran the whole thing. Like it was his, his and his wife's idea after four days in a row of really poor attendance, like really poor. I mean, some of the speakers on stage were like, you know, you could kind of tell like, and I I heard from a couple of the people backstage that the speakers were like, I thought there was going to be more people like this isn't what I was told, you know? And so it was kind of like, I don't know if I want to use the word sad, but it was just kind of like, wow, there's so much good stuff here. How did people not understand this? And at the very end, James is his name, James, literally sat on stage and he said, for those of you that are left, I want to have a real vulnerable moment with you. And I'm, I want to be really transparent. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty disappointed at the fact that like, this was the attendance and I really am grateful for you guys for showing up, but I tried to give away tickets. I tried to make this accessible for everybody. And I think in trying to make it accessible, it actually worked against me because they gave tickets away for like 20 and $30. Well, nobody's going to show up for 20. You know what I mean? They're just, there's no skin in the game. And it was, again, I feel weird using the word sad, but it was a little bit like you were empathetic with him because you were like, you could see how he wanted to serve people. And he thought that by making it accessible and giving it away for dirt cheap, that that would, that would be the way to serve people. They didn't show up. They're not going to show up. They're not going to value it in the same way. And here we were at this amazing conference with all these amazing people going like Ed Milet was was, like, it wasn't like Lori Harder. I mean, there were amazing people there and it's like. Yeah. There are people that are amazing at what they do, but yet when you give away a free mm-hmm. ticket to somebody, they may have just paid for it because it was 20 bucks. They may not, not have even wanted to be, you know, anyways, I don't need to go into the full details, but that was one of the ones to me where I went, it didn't matter how much money James and Stephanie had. It didn't matter how much money they mm-hmm. poured into this company. 
the money, them giving away things for free wasn't going to create it. Like mm-hmm. there had to be some kind of exchange there that made people want to show up. You know? Yes, exactly. So that, that was a big one for me. And I watched it happen and I was like, wow, that's so interesting. You know, when people don't pay, they just, yeah. they don't see it in the same way. Exactly. You know how every once in a while you have one of those moments that just drives home something that like you already knew, but when you see it happen in like on like a large scale. <laughs> That's exactly like, what this was. Cause I was, and I know, cause I knew them from when I went to, to Salt Lake city, I had met them and mm-hmm. you know, they had become my friends. So they, I saw them when they were in LA and I knew how excited they were for this. And so to watch that all happen was really mm-hmm. interesting. And like you said, it just drove it home with yeah. money is never going to be, you can't create something with money. It's your energy, it's your thoughts, it's your intention that really creates the movement. And I don't want to say that they didn't have thoughts and intention and energy behind it, but they Mm -hmm. can't just expect the money to replace what hasn't been built. Exactly. That momentum hadn't been built for their message and their vision. Mm -hmm. And I think when you get a certain amount of money, you feel like money can buy you things. And ultimately it's still, there's a disconnect and there, there needs to be that energy and intention behind it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the ideal client that Kelly asked a really great question. (laughs) She said, my jaw's on the floor. I really needed to hear this. Awesome. Kelly, I'm so glad you're here with us. She said, what are a couple of questions you'd like to ask in the ideal client interview? And I love this because that's what I do for my clients. I give them a list of questions. I'm like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go do your ideal client interviews. And I make them do 40. (laughs) You said, you said three. I was like, wow. Okay. That's really, but I, I guess the more I did, the more I learned from it. And so anywhere from 20 to 40 is what I have them do. And I give them a list of questions. And I like how you said it too. They may or may not be your client. You're not asking them for like a hundred hours of their time. And you're also not asking them. I love that you said this. Can I pick your brain? Yeah. Oh, people hate that. Nobody (laughs) wants to hear that. Like, can I pick your brain? AKA, can I get some free advice from you? Or can I get, you know, but really that's not what this is about. You're really just valuing their opinion. Mm-hmm. about your business and some yeah. suggestions and ideas that you want to run by them to connect further with your ideal client. So that exactly. you can understand what is the problem I solve? What would be valuable to you? And, yeah. you know, and I think Kelly asked a really good question. What kinds of, what kinds of questions do you ask? So I'd love to hear from your end, what kinds of questions you have your clients ask. Absolutely. And I think it's a, I think it's a really good point because there is a distinction that you're making between picking your brain over coffee and asking for this five minutes, because when you're picking someone's brain over coffee, you're asking for them for their intellectual energy and for their, you're asking for them to create something for you. But the other way, this reverse way of, can I just have five minutes? What you're asking is you're creating your own thing and you're simply asking them to inform it. Like there's not a lot of energy on their part. They're just telling what their feelings are, what they already know. They don't have to create something new for you. So I, I think that's a really good distinction that you're pointing out. Yes. So the questions that you ask them. So I actually have a long list of questions and I have a free ideal client roadmap with all of these questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you through a few that you can ask them, but you can get even more. If you go check out the ideal client roadmap, you can find it on pageray.com backslash ideal dash client. And um, you can, it's a down, ideal client roadmap and it takes you through all, all of my ideal client tips. So when it comes to questions that you want to ask on these interviews, um, you want to focus on, first of all, what service are you offering? And is it a service they've ever had before that they've ever bought before? If yes, you don't, you don't have to ask who did they work with, but what did they think of that experience? Good or bad? Did you like it? Did you not like it? How much money did you invest in it? If you didn't invest and you did a trade or you got something for free, why did you choose that option? And then if they've never done it before, what's holding you back? What are your feelings about it? You know, really dig into their feelings around it and don't be afraid. This is something that I've learned from Um, I was actually a journalist for about 10 years before I was a photographer. So I got real comfortable asking questions that most people would think nobody would want asked. I did investigative journalism. So I'm really big on sitting down and asking those questions at the wrong time. But what I found after so many years of doing reporting work is that people walk around just wanting to be asked questions like as humans it's almost a natural state like we are walking around just like wanting people to know about us humans love to talk about themselves we all love to talk about ourselves yes and if somebody's asking you about yourself then you have no doubt that they want to know and I think that's what holds a lot of us back from talking about ourselves we're like I don't know if anybody wants to know this but 
somebody's asking you, they definitely want to know. So it's like a, it's, it's a really wonderful way to open a gate to somebody to really be themselves for a moment, you know, create a space for them where they can be free, where they can be themselves, where they won't be judged and they feel good and safe sharing with you, you know, what you want to talk to them about. So I learned that a lot as a reporter. So when it comes to asking questions about emotions, don't be afraid to gently and in a way that makes them know that like you don't judge the answer. You're very curious and you want to talk to them about it. Like, what are your feelings about that? How does it make you feel? Why does it make you feel that way? Where do you think that comes from for you? You know, dig a little bit deeper. It's totally okay. People are walking around wanting us to dig deeper with them, which is all day long. All anybody wants. Yeah. It's well, people like to feel seen and heard. Yeah, absolutely. And they like to feel validated. And I think when you give people an opportunity to talk about themselves, they really do. They like it. They appreciate it. They feel seen and heard. And then it's benefiting you as well. And what I tell my clients is I tell them to do it. That what I did is I didn't just say, let me, let me ask, you know, for five minutes of your time, which is totally cool because then you can just get a couple of quick questions in. Mm -hmm. I said, I have a couple of questions that I'd love to ask you. I'm doing some market research. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm really just trying to understand my ideal client better. And as an appreciation for your time, I'd love to offer you the opportunity to ask me any questions you want. And I'll give you 30 minutes for us to do like a mini session where I can support whatever you're working on and and whatever you need. So it worked out because yeah, it was like in exchange for me asking you some questions, which they loved that part anyways, Let's transition into what do you need help with? How can I support you? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got everybody, I gave them a freebie at the end. I got everybody's email. So Mm -hmm. I still used it to build my list. And I gave them a freebie. I said, here's this, you know, this script that I'm going to give you. And Mm -hmm. at the end of, I'm giving away huge secrets right now, people, if you want to work with me, this is what I help you with. But this is, this is ultimately what I did at the end of the round of all those interviews. I then had everybody's emails and I said, Hey, thank you. If you're getting this email, it's because you helped me out. And I want you to understand how important that is to me as I'm building my business so that I can truly connect with the people that I'm meant to help. As an extended thank you, I wanted to let you know about a special deal I have going on and I'm only offering it to you. And it's for, you know, me saying thank you for what you did to help me. And then I just sold a couple of, I think, 90 minute sessions to those people, because if they felt value from our conversation before, I have every right to say I'm offering this to you if you want it. And a lot of people were like, yeah, I would like, or the other thing that happened on a lot of those interviews, mm-hmm. I never sold anything to anybody by me initiating it. Right. I made up my mind from the very beginning. I'm going to be in integrity with every interview I do. I'm not going to pull a bait and switch. Yeah. But if anybody asks me about my services and they initiate it and take it there, I will gladly inform them what my options are. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, you know what I mean? And, and so if they started it, I took it there and I got clients from it. It's so funny that you say that because I, the list of five clients, ideal clients that I made and I, same thing. I don't sell on that call. I, I feel like I always want to stand in integrity and I never did sell on those calls. And I ended up working with four of those five ideal clients yep. and I, you know, photography is such a personal thing. People rarely book photographers based on a level of skill with photos, but more so the connection they feel like they have with the photographer. And I think we established that a lot by me asking the personal questions of how do you feel about that? And they knew in talking about that, that they could trust me with those feelings. But I had a moment, there was one ideal client in particular that I thought I wouldn't even ever get her on the phone. You know, I'd just be lucky if she read my email. And I had a moment where, and this was early on in brand photography, and I had a feeling of like, okay, what if I just, I just this one time offered her, you know, a free session because it would look so good in my portfolio. She's like a well-known name in her industry. And then almost immediately I was like, I can't do it. I can't do that. Like I had such a good ideal client interview call with her. And then we got off the phone and I was like, what if I just offered her? It looks so good in my portfolio. And then I said, no, I made a rule for myself. No trades, no free work. I'm going to stick to it no matter what, even in this moment. Six months later, I got an email from her and she's like, I'm ready for my photo shoot. And I trust you. And I, we got on a sales call, but we didn't even have a sales call. We got on the sales call and she goes, I'm ready to work with you. Tell me where I, tell me what I need to do. And, and, and she didn't even ask my price. She just said, send me the invoice and she just paid the full price. Those are the best, aren't they? 
the best, the, my, my absolute favorite, and I see people a lot who don't think that that's possible, and it's so, so possible to sell packages that are worth thousands of dollars without even ever telling anybody what the price is. If people want to work with you, if they feel like you're their person, they are going to pay any amount that you no put matter in what. Yep. No matter what. If they don't have the money, they're going to go find the money. Yep. And I should point out that like everything that I've taken you guys through today, from the 3M method to the like ideal client interviews... All of that, that's how I ran my business. And it's how I built myself to a six-figure photography business in one of the most competitive markets in the world. And I worked with more than 50 ideal clients in 2019 alone, just doing just doing this. And it's really, truly possible. Even if you think your profession is too crowded, it is not. Find a way to stick out. Drill into that offer, that really valuable offer that you have. Believe in the price of it and believe that it is right for the right people and you will find them by being out there. Yep. Oh, I love that. And the belief is so much of it. Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. And I love the last thing you just said, which is, you know, this is a big thing. A lot of people are like, where do I find my clients? I'm like, where can your clients find you? Yes. Like Exactly. You're not meant to go search for your client. Like people are always like, I can't find my clients anywhere. I don't know where like, and I'm like, if somebody needed help with what you help with right now, would they know how to find you? That's the question you need to ask yourself. And we're not meant to go looking. We're meant to be the lighthouse and shine our light. Yes, exactly. And that leads me right into, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, then this is another thing that I, that we can talk about is a lot of people say that to me and I, and I'm like, well, you have to be where you want them to find you, but you do have to be where they, where do they live? Where do they live online? If your ideal clients are all on Instagram, but you're making the party over on LinkedIn where none of them are, your light is shining in a place where no boats are. Right. <laughs> right. Your light is shining in the middle of Iowa where there's no water around and nobody can no, none of the boats can get to you. Yeah. That's such a great, that's such a great point because I do think as well, where you are, you talked about the avatar earlier and, and I agree with you. Like, do I need to know what magazine my ideal client is reading? Probably not, but there may be a time and a place where that would be relevant because if you know, she reads Vogue, then you can speak to that in your messaging. You can be like, Hey, do you still have that Vogue Vogue magazine um, in your hands? And instead you really wish that you had blah, 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 blah. Like there are relevant areas where you would need to know that stuff. But I agree with you knowing who the person is, Mm-hmm. is the most important or having an idea or a visual because who I talk to when I give my messages and when I'm, I'm creating content, mm-hmm. I think of one person that I've mm-hmm. had a phone conversation with or the, yep. a client that I've had. And I literally talk to them because whatever they need to hear is what everybody needs to hear. So when mm-hmm. I'm doing my Nick at night talk shows, I'm usually talking to literally one specific person. Yeah. And until you have a specific person to talk to that avatar is important. Because mm-hmm. that is your specific person. That's Sheila, the one who has all <laughs> the things going on that you need, that you know your you know, ideal client is dealing with. So yeah, I, I do think that's important. But I also think where you show up does, ha- you made a great point, does have to be where they are. You can't yeah. just be like, I'm going to just show up right here. It's mm-hmm. knowing your ideal client is important because if she doesn't hang out on Facebook and she hangs out yeah. on Snapchat... Yeah, like I had a a session with a client this morning. She's like, well, should I be on TikTok? And I was like, do you want to be on TikTok? And she's like, well, I just feel like there's more people there. And I was like, is that where your people are going to hang out? And Mm -hmm. she was like, well, I mean, I'm looking for like women in their forties. And I was like, then don't get on TikTok. It's probably not. It's just one more thing right now that you're going to focus on. That's going to spread you thin. Where are your, where, where are your people hanging out? And you, you know, you bring up a great point. It's like, you need to be the lighthouse where they're hanging out and they know where to find you. Exactly. And I think that's so important. But that does bring me to where did you find me? Oh, wait. Um, you didn't find me. Oh, that's right. Yes. So maybe I should be asking you, like, Nick, how did you find me? <laughs> I told them a little bit yesterday that I was like, you know, probably going to bring this up or tell the story. But like that to me was another proof point of. People can just, if you're putting your stuff out there, if you're showing up as you, people are going to find you. And it's not because you ran Facebook ads. It's not because you used all the best and right hashtags. It's, I mean, maybe those things, there's a time and a place for them, but are you consistently showing up and are you showing up in a way that really shows off you and your work? Mm -hmm. And 
for you, that was the case. And I just happened to be scrolling. I think I did use a hashtag. I don't remember specifically. I knew I was looking for somebody in LA uh-huh. and whatever hashtag I used, I looked through and I was like, boom, right there. Yeah. And as soon as I saw, and I don't know if you remember this one, but it was a picture in downtown LA in one of the more like industrial areas. And yeah. it was, I think the background was black and white. And then she was in like yellow and she had confetti that she was throwing up in the air. And I was like, whoever took that shot, that's who I want. And I clicked on it. I reached out to you. You and I had a conversation. It was like, okay, where do I sign up? And then that was it. And then it actually led to one of my favorite pictures that we did together, which was the money one. And you created that. You were like, well, a sales coach should be throwing money in the air because that's what you help your clients do. So I just love how that all happened. And it happened literally straight through Instagram. Right. Instagram is such a, like an amazing tool for facilitating conversations like that and facilitating discovery. So Mm -hmm. it's so true. I, I, you know, a lot of people kind of like what we talked about, like I have a lot of people who are like, Oh, everybody's on Instagram. No one will ever find me on Instagram or everyone's on Pinterest. No, people will find you. People find me on Instagram. My biggest client that ever booked me, who's actually a corporate client that has uh, their property development company and they have properties all over the U.S. So they've taken me all over the U.S. to photograph those properties. Did that one in Vegas? We did. It was in Reno. Yeah, it was in... um, Yeah. And it was like lifestyle fun, like, you know, couple out shopping. Like we, it was just like a fun kind of fashion-y thing. But they paid me the... One of those things where I was writing the proposal for it and I I did the numbers and I put the big number there and I just went, you know, I was sitting next to my fiance and I was like, there's no way. Like I, I just had this moment of like, this is a huge number, but I cannot do it for any less. I'll lose money if I do. And he was like, he was like, just send it, just send it. And I closed my eyes and I hit send and they said, yes, they found me. Their representative who found me, found me on her personal account, scrolling through Instagram and just sent me a DM and was like, oh, hey, I'd love to know more about your rates. And of course, like, I don't just ever send out my rates. I said, let's get on a call. Um, Thank you for saying that, by the way. I still have clients who are trying to email that stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. Everyone's like, why do I get ghosted? Well, are you emailing out your rates? That's why. And so we got on a call, but it was such a, it was such a general, it's a DM that I got there that I was like, I, this person doesn't even have their own business. They work for a company. Like, why would they want to talk with me? But okay, I'm not going to say no. And it turned out to be an amazing client. And it also extra wild because any number that I put out there, they were like, yeah, we could do that. Yep. Blew my mind that work like that existed. It expanded a lot of things for me, but anyway, yeah, go out where your clients live online and build your lighthouse there. Shine bright and, and shine is the exact right word. You know, be yourself and don't be afraid to brag about yourself. Don't be afraid to talk about what you do differently that nobody else does. Nobody, I see a lot of people hold themselves back as though that like, oh, people are going to think I'm bragging or people are going to think I'm so full of myself. Well, then those are the wrong people the right people will love what you're saying and will connect with it and will be helped by it. So get out there and get bragging. That's we need to brag. a good way to say it. I always say you can't say the right thing to the wrong person and you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. Oh, and I is- love what you said earlier about, yeah, isn't that good? It's, it, it, and it's so true. Yeah. The right person, the one who's already like drinking your Kool-Aid, they're like, I don't, I, you can say whatever and I'm cool. I'm in, I'm ready, you know? And it's like your client who was like six months later, your ideal client who was like, okay, I'm ready. Where do I sign up? And, and I've had people like that before too, where they've gotten on the call and they like, I can't ask them enough questions before they're like, where do I, one of the girls a couple months ago was like, okay, where, where do I pay? And I was like, well, I need to ask you a couple questions first to make sure that this is the right fit. And she's like, no, I know it's a right fit. And I was like, let me make sure it's the right, you know what I mean? And it's like, and I'm not saying I don't want, want clients, but like, they've got to be the right client. Like you talked about at the beginning with your ideal client, it's got to be somebody that I'm excited about working with. And it's got to be somebody that I'm lit up about just as much as they're excited because they're paying money to work with me. I need to be excited. And I just think there's so much to be said for making sure that we are calling in people who really are, and and we're not trying to manipulate somebody who's not right. Like you said, how do I say the right thing? Or how do I do the right thing? They're not the right person. If they feel that you're bragging, let them go find somebody who they don't feel is bragging, but they're always going to have that feeling about you because that's, and, and it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Yeah. 
Exactly. You're doing wrong is assuming that they should stay in your world when they really don't have a place being there. 100. Exactly. And, and, and on top of that also is if you are trying to mold yourself into the person that like, if you, if you feel like somebody is a dream client and you try to make yourself into a service provider who is there, who they'll want to work with, you will be equally unhappy. Like, don't, don't try to be somebody that like, just isn't, isn't the thing. Like I tried that for a long time. I was like, I can be, you know, I did weddings for a long time. I was like, I can be a perfect wedding photographer. I can, I can show these beautiful airy photos. I can do all the things. And it just never worked. I never got traction in the industry because I wasn't being myself. I was trying to be the mold of a perfect wedding photographer that I thought everybody wanted. And it never worked. And when I switched into branding, which was also just the right field for me, I was suddenly myself. I felt like I had so much more personality and I was totally a lighthouse. I totally was attracting all of these ideal clients to me and just like blowing my mind, the people that I was working with. Yep. It's, it's amazing too, when you start to see how like attracts like, like you, Mm -hmm. you start, you know who you are, you're showing up as yourself and it really is magnetic in how people start coming to you. There's a vulnerability that you're, that you're expressing that they're attracted to when you really start being you. And it's hard for people to understand because something you said at the beginning was, you know, people are afraid to be, to, to be seen. People are afraid to get on video. People are afraid to put themselves out there and really be themselves. That's the magic. That's the big secret. That's where the special sauce is, is you showing up acting the fool that you are. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean you showing up in all your glory and all your truth of like, I'm might be a dork sometimes. I might be really funny and cool sometimes, but either way, it's just me that you're getting. And there's so much power in that. And that's Mm -hmm. where the the courage needs to be developed over time too, because you're not going to be a shining star by tomorrow. If you're uncomfortable right now today with video, you're going to have to incrementally work your way into that. But Mm -hmm. the person you become as you're doing that is the person you're going to be attracted to and want more of. Oh, absolutely. And, and on that note, sometimes Instagram will bring up my very first, like in an archive and be like, this is one of your first Instagram stories. What do you think? Uh, Do you want to, do you want to post it? And it is, as soon as Instagram stories came out, I jumped right on it. And I, you're back. so good about all the new stuff. You, like you jump, you did reels right away. As soon as reels um, were out, I was like, whoa, I gotta, I gotta get on this page. Is so good. On anytime, anytime Instagram or any platform releases a new feature, they're going to favor it in the algorithm. They want you to use that. Yep. They want that. And I, and it, reels came super easy because I've been on TikTok for the last almost exactly. a year. Exactly. That's the other, I was like, I've been on TikTok. Why am I not doing reels? Cause I love TikTok. And, and now Instagram has given me that opportunity. And to your point, that is, they will always favor their newest feature, their newest sticker, their newest. If they put something out, that's a music sticker, use it because they're going to favor whatever you're doing with that new feature. Exactly. Yeah. Such yeah, <laughs> a good point. And you're so good about that too. Like just jumping right in and doing it. Just um, do it, you guys. Bad. It yeah. doesn't, it's, it's bad in a good way to your ideal clients. (laughs) It really is. It really is. Okay. Let's see. I think you're in our community page. So can people, can they comment and and tag you in it if they do have questions? I think I still, I actually don't know if I've joined. So I, yeah, let me come join and then I will absolutely answer any questions. I'll, I'll join and I'll just say, Hey everybody, if you have any questions, drop them below. Does that work? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I just know sometimes people, I mean, it doesn't, it's not like you're going to have to go in there and answer a bunch of things all the time, but sometimes after they've watched it, um, cause I have people all over the world that watch these like at all different times. So like they're asleep right now. So they're probably watching on the replay tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and sometimes they like to tag people when they have questions because everything you presented was so good and so helpful because it just goes right in line with, with what I do. And, and I mean, you and I've nerded out many times talking about sales I loved our little role play that we had when we did your, um, your Facebook. I know that was so fun. Wasn't it? So good. <laughs> no, I'll share this with you. Cause I'll share it with everybody. Cause this was one I've been using lately on, on sales calls, discovery calls, sales calls, whatever you want to call them. And I know you and I've talked about similar things like this before. And one of the questions I asked the other day, it was so powerful and it worked. She said, um, okay, I just, I really have to think about this. And you and I've talked about this before. I said, well, just out of curiosity, what is it that you still need to think about? And she was like, well, I just, I said, well, why don't you think about it right now while you're on the phone with me and I can answer your questions. Cause if you're going to think about things, I I know questions might come up and it certainly would be more productive here. And she goes, well, I just, I know I really want to do this, but I just, you know, I want to look at my finances and I will. And I said, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Why won't you just tell me no right now? Mm 
Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Oh, yeah. I love that. Work like a charm. Work like a charm. I, like, listen, I'm clear that you really want to do this because you've said it five times, but I mm-hmm. hear some hesitation. My question mm-hmm. is, why won't you just say no? That is so killer. Oh my God. It's so, it's so like you get to that point and you're like, because it's really, as you know, it's really hard to hear somebody say, here's my dreams. I'm so excited. My dreams, my dreams, my dreams, my dreams. I can't do it. Yeah. What do you mean you can't do it? You just put a price tag on your dreams. How does that feel? And by the way, you put a price tag on it, but actually you're paying more by not saying yes, because how much time are you wasting? What are you actually going to do on your own that you haven't already done? Like you obviously can't figure it out or we wouldn't be in this call. And obviously I don't say it like that on the call. I'm not like attack, but it's such a good. Mm-hmm. And as you know, on sales calls, we're always trying to come from the the position of getting them to say what you right. want them to hear. I need, I don't need you to say no to me. I need yeah. you to hear you're saying no to yourself. Yes. Yes. You're saying no to. And if you say yes, you're saying yes to yourself. It has nothing to do with me. Exactly. I just happen to be the facilitator of the conversation that can also help you achieve the results you're looking for. But that has nothing to do with me. It's you saying yes to yourself or no to yourself and really you're denying yourself your dreams. Oh, that is so killer. Oh my oh gosh. gosh. It's, it's so good. good. Yeah. I'm so good. Like, my it's thing so- is let's just get to a yes or no by the end of the call. Like I'm not trying to do maybes because mm-hmm. this is probably so inappropriate for me to say right here, but it's really not. I said to somebody, one of my clients the other day, she goes, well, should I not do follow-up calls? I said, no. You and I had a follow-up call and that's how you said yes to me. So I can't sit here and tell you that follow-up calls don't work. They absolutely do. And there's a time and a place for them, but Mm -hmm. it's almost like a man and a woman getting super, like super intimate and super close to having an orgasm. And the woman going, you know what? I'm going to pause right here. I can't have this right now. I don't have the time. So I'm going to do it in like three days. Can we just, can we just pick up where we left off in three days? (laughs) And like, if you don't say yes right then, you're going to lose the momentum and she's probably not yeah. going to do it in three days. Like that's something else is going to, you know, and, and again, it's yeah. probably a silly example, but to me, no, it's, it's, like, it's perfect, right? It's like, that's yeah. where you're at on the sales call. That's the closest they're ever going to get to saying yes. Exactly. Unless they give you another opportunity to get on the call and they're giving you their full, because a lot of times on the follow-up call, they're coming prepared with their deeper objections. They're deeper yeah. fears because they've had more time to think about their fears and less time to think yeah. about why they really want to do it. Yeah. Not exactly. always the case. Sometimes people like it burns them up inside for those three days until they get on the next call, you know, and they're like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> but I would say more often than not, 95% of the time, a follow-up call is going to be, it's going to be a no. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I felt that so strongly before that a lot of the time and I'm, not necessarily advising this, but a lot of the time I just let it go after a call. Cause I feel, cause I have that feeling of if they're not saying yes now, it's three days in three days to think about it is not helping anything. You're just gonna build just, up it's your three days more. to think. Yep. Yeah. It's three yeah. days to think about all the fears, all the reasons why you should say no. And you hit the nail on the head very early on in this conversation with the worthiness. It's, there is a, yeah huge worthiness piece and it has nothing to do with them not wanting to do it. They don't feel worthy of the time spending the money. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they gladly spend it on somebody else, but not for themselves. And more often than not, it's not because they don't have the money. Exactly. When they value you enough, they will go find the money. They will borrow it. They will, they will find a way. Yep. Yeah. Once they've made a decision that that's yep. what they want, they're going to find a way to make it happen because they know it's what they need to move forward. And that movement forward is going to create more in their life. And that investment exactly. is really just an investment to create more money, more energy, more experience mm-hmm. of life, more excitement of the life that you want to live. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's funny. Um, I like around the idea of like how many, how much longer do you really want to, like why today? Like how many days do you want to spend stuck where you are? How many days do you want to spend not fulfilling your dreams? And I think people kind of feel like when they get on a sales call, like they schedule a sales call and they're like, yes, I'm moving forward. But they, they, they're able to justify saying no, because they think a sales call alone or a discovery call alone is, is an actual item on their to-do list to move forward. And it's just not. It's a big yeah. key to themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like saying I need to buy a new car and just going to the dealership and looking and then leaving. It's like, 
Mm -hmm. you're just delaying. You're delaying your decision (laughs) because you're afraid to make it is really what it is, you know, but that's where, that's where the magic is, you know, get out of your comfort zone and you should be afraid to make big decisions. That's the whole point. If you're comfortable to make, you're not growing. Exactly. Something I talk to about um, a lot of times on sales calls, if I have people who say, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not ready. And I say, well, can we, can we talk about what it is? What do you need to feel like you are ready? Will be ready. What does that entail? And um, because more often than not, it's, it's people going, oh, it's just me in my own way. I've had people go, oh my God, I'm just in my own way. There's nothing I need to be ready. And then I just kind of walk them through. That's a really good point to know because you're never ready. If you feel like you're ready, it's already too late. Yeah. If you feel like you're ready, it's not the decision you should be making. You're making the comfortable, easy decision, not the challenging, difficult decision that allows you to grow. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love that. This was so awesome, Paige. I loved having you on. This was so valuable. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I loved being on here and I will pop into the group and I'll say hi and intro myself. And if anybody has any questions, I'm always happy to answer them. Awesome. I love hearing that. And I know everybody is going to benefit so much from watching this. So thank you again for your presentation, for the conversation. It was just awesome. And I always love seeing you. So thanks for being here. And you too. (laughs) Enjoy your trip and I'll see you soon. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. All right. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And by the way, if you like this, subscribe because there's more good stuff coming your way. Also, please leave a review. It would mean so, so much to me and it would help others who are considering listening to this podcast to understand how amazing it is. And while you're at it, why not share with a friend? And by the way, one last thing, I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect with you. So you got a couple options. You can check me out on Instagram at Healthy Steps with Nicole. You can find me in my private Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars, or you can go to my website, healthystepswithnicole.com. I would love to hear from you and I can't wait.